We're back, boys. Yeah. The Section 109 podcast is back recording actual podcasts, not just an after show on the internet, on YouTube. But if you haven't seen the YouTube after shows, you can see our faces on the Chattanooga FC YouTube page and somewhere on Facebook, but it's a little easier to find on YouTube. Who would have thought we were so talented? Definitely not our wives. Not only can we do it in podcast format, we can do it in video format and live format. We literally do it live. Yes. Yes, we do. Speaking of doing it live, we are in our second studio. This is the first ever podcast recorded in the second studio, the adjacent studio. So uh, there are two dogs here. That we, are, we don't have them uh, quartered elsewhere. So there may be some noise there. Uh, we have no producer, Jay, to help us edit today. So I will be doing some of the edits. So... Yeah, it might be a little rougher. God bless us all. Yeah. Uh, as, as Matthew said, we'll do it live. Well, fuck it. Do it live. But uh, we are here to talk about a season uh, and mostly a bubble preview. We haven't talked about the roster really at all. But Mm-mm. before we get there, Smitty, I want your reactions on the kits that dropped this week. Okay. So I'm going to start with our primary kit. It's very safe which I think is smart because we have a new kit sponsor. Mm-hmm. We do. We do. Louisiana, the original hot sauce. Matt, what do you think about the sponsor logo? Uh, it took a lot to get used to, uh, to be honest. Going from a, a global, iconic, uh, aesthetically pleasing brand like Volkswagen very symmetrical, very round. Yeah, yep. and and having it for for eleven, twelve years or whatever it was, uh, it's it's a large adjustment for my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I don't hate it. Like it's it's just a it's just a shape change. Yeah, uh, and yes, it says Louisiana Dave Steele, uh, but you know what? <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I, I'm, I missed I'm, something on Twitter, didn't I? I'm I'm go with it, honestly. Like I'm I'm go with it, and and I think maybe more importantly, what was the uh, what was what was the 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 statement in the uh, in the press release uh, and in the newspaper something about the, the, oh I don't know the, the largest uh, the largest jersey partnership in CFC history. So this is um, uh, talking about the size of the logo or the amount of money that they're paying. Both. Both. <laughs> uh, I think the most important part about this is that this is pro money. I got a f- call from an anonymous person who wanted to let me know and to let people know. Uh, and he said I could say this on a podcast. Um, a couple things. Number one, uh, VW leaving is a bummer, but they are only sponsoring. This is VW USA, not VW International. So think of them separately. VW USA is sponsoring only the men's and women's national teams and no club teams in the U.S. And that's really frustrating because we're still really, really close with VW International mm-hmm. and with Wolfsburg, both of whom are remain like really strong partners, so it makes sense for VW to be a partner, VW USA, I mean, right. to be a partner. But simply, it was not a part of their marketing plan, and we were able to, coming out of that with VW not wanting to pony up, get a Chattanooga-based company, by the way. It may be called Louisiana Hot Sauce, but they are based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They don't make their hot sauce in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but their corporate headquarters are in Chattanooga, and we're able to get professional, and this is the important part, professional money, professional-level mm-hmm. contract. This is a much bigger contract. It's a multi-year deal, as it said in the press release, and I was assured that this is... A, a legitimately better deal for the club and for the health of the club. It's good. And 
it is not a guarantee that that they won't be back. So right. in the sense that VW may come back at some point, the, the door mm-hmm. remains wide open, even though we're frustrated that they're not, um, or, or frustrated because of history, essentially, that they're mm-hmm. not back. Yeah, so going back to my statement about our primary kit being safe, I think it's smart for it to be safe because of the drastic difference in the logo. Just so, like, it's a kit that people completely don't, like, nobody's going to hate this kit. Um, you may not like it because it is boring, but I think it's kind of classy and classic and very non-offensive, and it it's navy, which I think we all want. <laughs> but how about that goalkeeper kit, though? Bro. So I was I was just going to say before before we moved on to the goalkeeper kit that... Not uh, allowed. We've already started talking uh, about the goalkeeper <laughs> kit. <laughs> we don't get to talk about anything else. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter uh, say that it had this retro look to it. Yes, yes. And I, I agree. Think, yeah. I think that's a really important point because I didn't think... I didn't consider that beforehand. Mm-hmm. And in viewing it in the context of like, okay, it's a little bit retro looking... It starts to make it starts to make a little bit more sense in terms of design. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. There's that. I mean, I, everything. Everything in this jersey is in the collar, basically. Right. Uh, that's where all the all the design elements are. I think it, there, there's, there's an interesting choice that the the Hummel uh, the Hummel chevrons are not white on mm-hmm. this version. They are light blue. They're the sky blue. Because it's typically in any Hummel kit, it's white, isn't mm-hmm. it? Usually, but not always. Okay. Um, the the names and numbers on the back of the jerseys are also in that same sky uh, same sky blue, Ooh. so I think I think this is a kit that that looks kind of probably boring and a little weird uh, when it's just well you know, weird by our looks, standards because yes. we're used to yes. really dressed up elaborate yes. uh, uniforms when, when you just kind of like look at it in its in its own space I think mm-hmm. this thing's gonna look good under the lights yeah also in I person. Agree. You know they were nice enough to loan me one, and I have to give it back. Uh, they were nice enough to loan me one for the um, after show, and I really like it in person much more so than I did in pictures. I'm not saying it's bad in pictures. I think it's just average in pictures, and I like the retro look. I love the TriStar Tennessee on the back of the collar, mm-hmm. um, but it's just okay in pictures, and I think it's it's still not going to be my favorite CFC kit of all time. It's a good kit, though, and I think in person it will come across as a good kit as opposed to just an average kit. The goalkeeper kit, though, is maybe one of the best goalkeeper kits we've ever had it, it may is. be one of the best kits we have ever had and if you and if you guys haven't peeped uh phil D'Amico's, um facebook today someone sent me a screenshot of his facebook and woo buddy does he look good in it, that goalkeeper jersey he did some modeling shots and wow it looks awesome yeah i think i think uh the more the more i look at that goalkeeper kit the more i like it yeah um, um me too it, I, i'm not the kind of person that really likes anything or anybody the first time i see it or meet them um <laughs> the <laughs> the second wow i saw a picture of red in the jersey i was like jesus christ i'm buying that it is fantastic it is extra and i'm about it yeah yeah, Reddington also looks great. Also, Reddington's hair just fits that must that and that yeah, must have slicked back hair. Yeah, slicked back hair a chain on. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's the red yes. the retro player for the yeah, for the it's retro. So good. He looks perfect. Exactly. exactly. So I can't wait to see the um the the secondary kit, the away kit. We've always called things away kits. And by the way, in case anybody doesn't know, they're the club is transitioning very strongly. I've been corrected 
Um, a lot. Not just a lot, very strongly corrected. That is a primary and a secondary kit because we may see the home jersey, what we would consider the home jersey, the Navy jersey worn on the road, and vice versa. We also might see the away jersey worn at home. And so it's now primary and secondary because they won't, it will be, we will most often wear the blues, but whatever the uh, secondary kit is, we will also wear that regularly mm-hmm. if it is needed to not clash with the other team's jerseys. Yeah, and I'm going to sign a petition for us to play one home match with the goalkeeper kits on the field (laughs) sign me up baby i am in also i want to point out something as well jeff clymer pointed out that there is an there is a um a logo that comes called the original for the original louisiana hot sauce and you could do a gold jersey with that original logo on it Mm -hmm. and it would look awesome Y'all know I'm about a gold jersey. And we know Matt is glaring at uh, the whole rest of the studio. Matt is okay with gold. As a third kid or a goalkeeper kid. Correct. Yeah, and by the way, Matthew and I agree. It should not be secondary or primary. Um, But that's enough jersey talk for now because we could keep going about jerseys. And we need to get Sean Burney on this program sometime soon to talk about the design that went into this jersey because my understanding is he was the lead designer on all of that. But that's Mm -hmm. for another day. Let's move straight into the bubble, which starts... From the day we are recording this, tomorrow. The players are checking in today. The teams have started the bubble today. Uh, and tomorrow the games begin. So I'm going to go straight into some roster breakdown, uh, starting with some returners on the goalkeeper side. And uh, Smitty, how happy are you to see Alec Reddington back? I'm so happy. Number one, I'm happy he still got his mustache. Uh, I heard he, actually, I heard he shaved it off. No. I heard he shaved it off. Like in the last couple weeks, yeah. So we saw him and he had it, and then apparently, I haven't seen him without it, but apparently he doesn't have it anymore. I mean, I'm sure he's still a good looking boy. Oh, he's a great looking boy. I. Also, I feel like he could grow it back fairly quickly. I feel like he grows facial hair pretty quick. It's a good stash. It's a a strong stash. I'm very excited. You know, we we got to see, especially through rewatching the documentary, we've got to see a lot of. how important he was to the team last season and how many big saves he made. Yeah. And he even said it, he wasn't expected to come in and be the number one, but you know, due to the pandemic, he was, he was thrust into that position and he's a very young number one. I got, I got the, uh, I got the soundboard back and I have a Mario coin sound. Yay. Uh, so that, that's the agree. That's the agreement sound. Also, some applause. nice. I have uh, hold on. Turn my mic up. Reed Farnsley saying, turn my mic up. <laughs> I had a little I had a little fun. Um, yeah, I agree on all that. Sounds like stuff. too much fun. Uh, which I think might have been what Reddington's hair signifies he's had this offseason because that is a excellent set of hair. Like it his is. hairline is really good. Huh? Like and, and I say that because I'm losing mine. And then but it's like it's like straight back. Like, yeah, it's a good look. Very solid. That's the haircut that I wish I could have, but my hairline is not straight enough, and me, I'm not young anymore. Me neither. Uh, Matthew, moving on to Phil D'Amico, a returner this year, but a new face to this team in the sense that he did not play after March of last year. Give us a little lowdown on that. I think Phil returning is, is a... Number one, I'm I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy mm-hmm. that uh, that he was able to come back. Um, yeah, agreed, hundred percent. I I I'm excited to have him. I think he and Red will push each other. Uh, and and I don't think that it's I don't think that it's known necessarily who's the number one. Uh, yeah. In terms of in terms of the pecking order, I think it's a real dogfight 
between the two of them. Which that's really rare in soccer to have two keepers that could be a number one and really having them battle it out. Yeah, a lot of times you have a, a dedicated number one and a, a kind of a number two. And that would sort of, to be fair to both um, Alec and Phil, last year, Red was supposed to be the number two, the young guy, actually number three potentially, but mm-hmm. at worst the number two, quote unquote, at worst, because he was young, right? He was supposed to have time to develop and he got thrust straight in because of the pandemic, because of Phil taking a real job and needing to do work when everything shut down and then him taking basically a year off of soccer. Um Red got forced right in and ended up beating out an, a pretty experienced goalkeeper in Matt Mazinski last year to be the starter. Mm-hmm. And I agree 100% with what Matt's saying in that he will battle, uh, him and Phil will battle. And it's, I think that makes iron sharpens iron. They're both pretty young. They're only about two years apart. Um, in goalkeeper years, they're both still young. Phil's 23 and Red's 21, I believe. Something like that. Um, or 22 and 24. But anyway. Regardless, that it's young in goalkeeper years. I was, I was going to make that point about about Phil. You know, he's been here what like four years or something like that. But he and, and so like he feels like he's a three, a, an older veteran. Yeah, but because this is year four. This is but year he's four. Still, right. He's still you know relatively young, still developing. Uh, I think both of them have a chance to develop to the point where they're too good to be here at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I hope that for both of them. And uh, the other thing is, last year we had a guy, we had an excellent shot stopper in Matt Mazinski who wasn't great with his feet. Mm-hmm. And Reddington, who's a decent shot stopper and and very good with his feet. Yep. And so you had, like, our team played better with a good shot stopper and great with his feet than a great shot stopper. And, um, you know, no offense to Matt, but, like, he was not good with his feet. And so you di- you saw a young player grow into it. Phil and Red are very similar type of players. They're both good with their feet. They're both good shot stoppers. And so I think there's a more of a like-for-like like competition that goes on there, and you don't have to worry about we can't play X style if one or the other plays. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of young players who are really good with their feet, the our third keeper this year is Michael Beretta. Now, Michael is a, and I hope I didn't butcher his name, and I apologize if I did to him, um, but he is a young player. He was a former forward. Uh, then, then I think a center back and a midfielder at different times. As players do play a lot of positions as they're growing up. But he was not a goalkeeper until a few years ago. Uh, he's young. He's taking a gap year between high school and college. And he is playing full-time on an amateur contract uh, out of the academy. And what that means is he's joined out of an academy on an academy scholarship. He keeps and maintains his eligibility mm-hmm. going coming out of this year. But he can play and train with professionals for this whole year, essentially on like a waiver system, knowing that he's not in college yet, therefore he, and he's not getting paid, so he does not lose his eligibility. He is exceptionally good with his feet, from what I understand. He is young and still growing. He's maybe six foot one or so right now, but he could end up six one or he could end up six four. I mean, he's, he's a, still a growing boy. He's just barely 18. And he, uh, is very, very interesting to see in practice. I have not, I've only got to see him once, but man, is he, uh, a different type of player with how good his feet are. He's way more comfortable on the ball than you think he should be. As an 18-year-old goalkeeper? Well, just as a goalkeeper, period. Anytime a keeper has the ball at his feet, I'm like, eh, eh, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Um, unless your name's Ederson. So um, it it's different. So, yeah. Matt, I know you've watched a lot of practice. Uh, do you agree with my thoughts on, on Michael? Uh, I do. I do. I think... Uh, I, I think the important thing to about Michael is that, and, and we've said it several times already, but I'm, I want to emphasize that he is young. He's extremely relatively extremely young. Uh, he's you know only 18 years old. Uh, I don't think uh, 
in in like a bubble competition or even in the regular season to follow, I I would be surprised to see him play, uh, except if there's if there's an injury to one of the two goalkeepers uh, heading into a match and then an injury to one of the keepers in, in that next match. Essentially, if, if Alec were the starter, for example, Phil were the backup, mm-hmm. Alec got hurt before the match, so it go, you go into the match with Phil starting, or vice versa, and however Mike, that and works, Michael and Michael bench. on the bench, and then one of those players gets injured, or in that case, if we were winning 4 nothing and it was that situation, you might see him in the last 10 minutes to get a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I, I think... The old uh, keeper switch. The old keeper switch. I, I don't think... Um, I, I, I think... The thing about academy players is there's a reason why they're on the team. And if they're good enough, they will play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the bar, in order to get there, uh, is is not... They probably have a, a little bit longer way to go and, and Jeremy, before yeah. they're ready to play in a match. Jeremy said on this podcast that the important part for an academy player is is twofold. Number one, on the field. So in, in practice, they cannot bring the level of practice down. They have to be able to hack it, so to speak, mm-hmm. in practice. And then number two, in the locker room, they have to be able to be young men, not young boys, not young kids. They have to be young men, and they have to be able to handle themselves in the locker room. So they have to grow up and mature enough to be able to handle themselves in the locker room, and they have to not bring the level of practice down. So that's And their job is to get better as athletes and learn and play. And then, if those two things are the baseline, if they can play minutes, awesome. But mm-hmm. these guys are there to learn and grow because most of them are going to be 16, 17, 18, or 19, right? Like academy players are going to be the top age groups of that academy and then potentially, as Michael has done, taking a gap year. And we'll get on to two other um, academy players that CFC also signed this year later. But the idea is to get them to play, and if they play minutes, I expect that we'll see Michael in at least one friendly this year. Mm-hmm. Um you know that, and I expect we'll see the same with the other two kids that we'll mention in a, in a moment. Um, that we'll see them in at least one friendly this year to reward them for how mu- uh, everything else. I would not be shocked if we did not see any of those three players make an appearance in the regular season. Um, and I would not be upset about that. Also, I wouldn't be shocked if they got f- a couple five minute cameos. If they've earned it throughout yeah. the year, just like uh, we had in, in the past in the NPSL, we had a couple, not academy players, but a couple younger guys that were coming out of the academy, get some five minute cameos at the end of some friendlies. Um, one against Tigress, we had a goalkeeper make a, an appearance that was essentially an academy kid. And we had a couple kids that trained with the team all year that weren't necessarily academy kids, but were young. You know, you saw them get minutes. Uh, Drew Viscomi, I think, got minutes as a 16 or a 17 year old think maybe 18 anyway when he was quite young coming out of high school but they were like in a friendly yeah and i i know we're spending a lot of time talking about the academy kids setup but also i think it's super important to set the right expectations and just because they may not get any minutes this year doesn't mean that they're not good enough or that they won't be good enough because they very well could be incredible. They're just not as good as somebody that's been a professional for multiple years. And um, it's good that they're still on the team on the roster because they're getting those practice reps. And when you're 16, 17, 18 practice reps is what you need. Um, And then you, you know, as you get bigger, as you fill out your frame more, as you get smarter, you'll see more time out on the field. And so these kids could end up going to college. They could also Mm -hmm. end up signing potentially directly pro deals here or elsewhere. So this is really, really important for their development. And let's be really frank. These are players that are not getting paid to play soccer. So here as our roster budget, 
as a club, we need, this is a win-win. This is a win for them because they get to develop and learn in a situation that maybe they wouldn't get to because they wouldn't quite cut it as a professional soccer player. So they wouldn't be able to get paid somewhere else and get full-time training. College is only four months a year, five months a season, roughly. Mm -hmm. Uh, High school's roughly that same amount. This is nine to 10 months of training. So it's incredible for their development. And it's, it's free of cost to them. So this is like exceptional academy training for free essentially but also on the flip side these are numbers in practice and potentially numbers in games mm-hmm. that don't cost the club any actual money other than training money you know money that it costs you to give them uniforms and and medical treatment if somehow they get hurt or whatever else it does not cost a salary and that's huge that's a win-win for both sides and then if they're good enough you can sign them to a professional deal you could you know let's say michael makes a big step forward, you could see him signing a professional deal next year. I'm not predicting that it happens because he's 18, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, let's move forward to defenders. So as we've spent quite a bit of time on goalkeepers, uh, first returner, Richard Dixon. Who wants to take Richard? I'll take Richard, but also... You've been watching the documentary? Yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot we need to say because if we have to sell anybody on Richard Dixon, number one, you haven't seen the documentary. And number two, you haven't seen any of our conversations with him, with the after show, um, with um, with the, the special episode that we had with him to talk about some of um, his experiences and then um, the interview that we had, just the solo episode with him. Um, he's a fantastic co-captain, fantastic individual, um, and a fantastic player. A real and true leader on and off the field. And, and Coach has said this several times. He said it on the after show with us, Richard Dixon may or may not be the best player on CFC. He's one of the best players, but he's not necessarily clearly the best. He is clearly the most important player to CFC. And you saw that in the Louisville game mm-hmm. in, in the, this preseason when Rich went down with a minor injury and they subbed him out to make sure to, as a precautionary thing, Louisville scored three goals. And the, it's not it's not that each one of those goals would be directly stopped by Rich, but he could have played a part in each one of those and he snuffed out similar chances or helped lead us to snuffing out similar chances before that. And by the way, if you want to catch up uh, with Richard Dixon and hear his original um, one he did with us and I had it pulled up and I have lost it. Now I'm just stalling for time. So episode 28 is uncomfortable conversations, race in soccer and America, which is the, uh, the episode Smitty was referencing with the group of guys. It was an excellent, excellent conversation. And then if you go back a little bit from that, um, we actually had an initial uh, episode 16, Richard Dixon. uh, That's a solo pod. So you can Mm -hmm. hear all about him. He also has his own podcast, by the way, at um, next 90, N E X dash 90, which you can find uh, on social media. But yeah, Richard Dixon, um, the anchor of our defense, right center back, right back, um, you know, potentially, honestly, he could play at left center back or I'd trust him at left back even. Not the ideal position for him, but I'd trust mm-hmm. him anywhere. I mean, yeah, exactly. You would trust him anywhere. Also, defensive midfielder. I mean, put him in striker put, if you want. I Put him anywhere. I don't care. I want him on the field. Um, yes. Because, like, his communication, because the other defenders that we have are still very good defenders. Rich has that quality, that it factor, that he's able to organize people. He's able to make everybody around him even better than they already are. Also the most experienced professional on the team, most years playing pro. We were playing very good against a very good Louisville 
And I don't know if a lot of people understand just how good that team is. Three trips to the championship game of the last four years and two wins. They've won two yeah. of the last four champion championships in the USL championship, and they have been to three of the last four finals. Mm-hmm. Last four championship games. They're pretty decent. They're pretty darn good. And we lost 3-2, Very. and we were winning one nothing until the 64th minute when Rich went out, essentially. Yep. Matt, anything to add on Rich? Uh, I don't think there's anything I could say uh, that would that would uh, change anyone's mind further. Uh, if you don't, if you don't believe, if, if you're listening and you don't believe what what Breezy and Smitty are saying, I, I can't help you now. Just go have go have a conversation with Richard Dixon and tell me that you don't feel fantastic or want to run it. through a wall. Yeah, because he makes his his leadership and his pep talks make me want to run through a wall. And I'm just watching a documentary with him giving pep talks to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about his center center back partner spunky speed racer nick spielman too big too strong nick spielman (laughs) so nick spielman is uh another another returner for us uh he ended up leading the team in minutes played in 2020 Uh, he's the only person to play in all of our games uh he was uh, he played every single minute of the um of the independent cup. He played every single minute in the regular season, played every single minute in the bubble. And he played all 90 minutes in both friendlies after the bubble. Were him and Sean, the only players last season to not have an injury. Cause it feels like everybody else. John, did. John, had, John one. had one. Sean left the game one game in the middle of the game. That's right. But yeah, no Spielman was, yeah. And that, that's a, that's a really sad point. You just hey, made, but we had wood. a lot of injury problems. Um, but yeah, Spielman played a tremendous amount of minutes. He grew a lot as a player. He's another young player. Mm-hmm. He's 23, I think, 22. And he's this is his fir- last year was his first full year out of college. Um, he got signed on an amateur deal originally. Yep. And he played himself into a full professional deal. And now he has played himself into a, being a starter uh, and really an immovable object in more ways than one in that starting lineup in the center of that defense. I expect, spoiler alert, uh, us to play something akin to a 5-3-2, similar to what we played last season. Um, I'm sure there will be some wrinkles, as there always is in personnel. Um, but I expect Richard Dixon on one side of that 5-3-2 on the three-man back line. So Richard on one side. I expect Nick Spielman in the middle. And I expect this next guy, superhero Mr. Sean Russell, uh, to be on the left side of that um yeah uh, of that back three and that's the that's the same group that that played the louisville game yes uh, as well i think uh so let, let's blend let's blend sean a little bit in here too uh sean is uh if you if you guys were watching the doc uh, on thursday night uh there's the scene and we and we clipped it as well uh for the after show there's the scene where we're where Coach Fuller is giving his his uh, pre-match meeting talk, uh, and he starts calling guys out. Says, you know, Beamet uh, was uh, his contract was not renewed. He played in the NASL. He was at Fort yeah, Madison. His contract yeah, wasn't talked renewed. Talked about uh, Ian McGrath's contract getting getting pulled uh, when he was already in preseason somewhere else in USL Championship. Uh, and he and he talks about a couple other guys, and and he points at. Uh, and I don't, I don't think I'm going to break any crazy news here. Uh, but he, but he pointed at Sean Russell. He didn't mention Sean by name, but he pointed at him and said, "You were playing pub league." And he said, "You called me from Virginia Beach, and you were playing pub league." Sean Russell was playing pub league in between, uh, in in between his time when he was at Ford Madison, 
uh, and then the summer. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to see too, uh, what you guys can hear very soon, that probably the next podcast you hear after this one, um, we have a current podcast banked in the bank to be released either next week or the following week with Sean Russell. And he talks about his story, but spoiler alert, he has a pretty incredible story of hard work and grit yeah. to getting his first pro deal. He he played in a, basically an entire season similar to how we talked about these academy guys where they're just training with the team and getting better. He did that for an entire season, driving two hours a day mm-hmm. just to go to practice, just to make a team for the last few games of a season to get his first pro deal. And he's really, really worked super hard and... Uh, I think that kind of grit and, uh, and yeah, determination comes exactly. out in the way he plays. Yeah, that is exactly right. Just about, he is yeah. not. He is not the most elegant of defenders, uh, but he just works really. He sure, hard. is elegant to look at. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's <laughs> been at the gun show. If you've seen the uh, the jersey reveal, boy, has Sean been to the gun show. He, his arms are stretching out that large jersey. <laughs> he uh, he's 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 an incredible athlete. He works super hard. And, and he's he, a very good defender, and he's able to and he's able to cover ground when he does it too. Yes, he does. And so, by the way, I don't know. Like I, there, I, there are stereotypes in soccer, and I hate them because they're terrible. He's way smarter of a defender than people might think, just because like he's athletic or whatever. He's a smart defender. He, he knows is. what he's doing. He picks his moments really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a really good player, and it's to our benefit that he was playing public at the time. And look, in his his deficiencies as a player are in his are offensively. He's a he's a a defender. So it's not that he he's a good soccer player, but he's not a great attacker. But you know, he's very versatile. He can play left center back in a two. He can play mm-hmm. left center back in a three. He can play left back in a four. Mm-hmm. He's he was a left back until he got to the pro game and he was tried to be a left back for an entire year before and you can hear that in, in his talking about his journey to switching to left center back in the episode that will be released. But he is like a really, really, really special guy for Chattanooga, I think. And I think he fits here culturally. And I think that we're really lucky to have him, Rich, and Nick uh, manning that three in the back line. Um, let's move to a couple players uh, who played... A similar position, we have Ryan Marcano, Alec McKinley, and Cutler Coleman, all guys who um, didn't play every game. They weren't nailed down starters last year, but all of which played some minutes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit, Smitty, about Ryan Marcano? Yeah, I mean, Mr. Bicycle himself. (laughs) Um, And really, Ryan's one of those guys as well. He'll, He'll play in the defense. He'll play... On the wing, he'll play a striker sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so high motor, high energy, and he'll play on the high high athleticism, and he'll play on the outside of that uh, of the of the um, field. So he'll generally mm-hmm. play winger or outside back. You won't see him, unlike the first those first three guys at center back, uh, mm-hmm. but you will see him absolutely fly. Yeah, and I think with all three of the guys that we're about to talk about with Ryan, Alec, and and Cutler, all three of them are young. All three of them should look different from year to year and different in a good way to see, you know, growth. how much growth they had. Because um, last year was all three of their first professional season. And then we didn't really get to see a ton of Alec um, outside of the independent cup because he he suffered from injuries. So And then Cutler signed midseason. Yes. And so I, he's and he signed a training contract, trained his way onto a spot, and mm-hmm. he made his first uh, his first appearance in the bubble. As yeah. an injury substitute against the cosmos, yeah, Jesus, what For, a, what an introduction! Hey, also, we've 
been able to see Cutler, or may, I think it was just Matt and I. Were you able to see Cutler play? I have not seen Cutler. So we play. got to see Cutler play in practice, um, and boy, is he looking good. Um, that is excellent to hear. Uh, Matthew, we've, we've touched on Ryan Marcano's exceptional athleticism and his versatility. What can we expect to see from Alec McKinley? So that's a tough one. Uh, Smitty alluded to to him, not, not us not seeing much of him after the Independent Cup. Uh, he just played in, in, in two games in, in the regular season, uh, starting against Michigan Stars and then a substitute appearance against Detroit on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... I think we're still trying to figure out what Alex's best position is. Uh, what do you think his best position is? Right now or long term? Both. But we don't we don't have thirty minutes to spend on it. But yeah, give, <laughs> okay. give me the give me the one minute uh, give me the one minute synopsis on, on long term versus now. Uh, and this is all opinion, folks. On this so one. so right now, I think he makes a lot of sense as maybe a right back and a back four, uh, or as. Uh, as as one of the outside center backs in a back three slash back five, I think long term, uh, as as he grows and matures in the game, I think he's one of those. Uh, I think I think he can become a a, a six, a, a kind of a defensive midfielder that drops deep to pick up the ball, uh, can split the center backs and be a be a, a kind of a deep lying playmaker type. Uh, his defending's got to get better. Um. And and he's got to he's got to be able to play, uh, knowing what's on either side of him, what's in, in front of him, what's behind him. And for a lot of times, young players, they need to play with the with, with the game in front of them a little bit more, which uh, center back allows him to do. Yeah, and so and so does right back really. Yes. Uh, Except right, he can he can pass he can pass the football. Uh, First of all, it's a soccer ball. <laughs> He, yes, he can pass. The fo- the- also, saying he can pass does not give justice to, the- to what he can do. He's got a wand of a foot. Yeah. He's the Let- kind of guy you can put anywhere deep in the field, and he's going to be a weapon with the kind of passing range that Absolutely. he has. So, if you look back to the Georgia Revolution game, that game that was on TV, that first goal that was scored was scored by. Ri- uh- hey, puppies. And uh, the puppies have made their first appearance uh, on the <laughs> podcast. Um, that's definitely not getting cut out. Um, so. His that ball he played to Richard. Dixon. It's not getting cut out because I don't know if you know how to. That is exactly <laughs> correct. Uh, I have a lot. I have a lot of work to do and a lot to learn on the uh, on the producer side. But back to Alex Longball. That long ball was all the way across to Richard, who gave it back to Ian in the middle. It was an exceptional, exceptional um, long ball pinged effortlessly all the way across, and he hit that ball all throughout the Independent Cup with ease from anywhere on the field to anywhere. And I think uh, Coach said this, and, and I think it's fair to say he has MLS feet in a 22-year-old, you know, third-division player. Like, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a kid, but he has beautiful, beautiful soft feet, and I think that he has an incredibly high ceiling, but who knows what happens. He's got to kind of, and I, and I don't mean this in a, in a rude way, but he's got to put up or shut up this year. And it's not. Um, I say that because he's been injured and he's had a lot of trouble getting on the field. But you can't give guys money as professional soccer players that they can't get on the field. Yeah. And so I, I'm not saying he's not at all to be discarded now. But this is a make or break year for him. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Cutler Coleman, on the other hand, 
is into instead of being into his second full year as professional, hasn't even finished his first full year as a professional. He, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, came here when he was finishing his school. Um, he finished his school online during the COVID pandemic um, that I guess currently still goes on but he this was still this was when it was at its height and we weren't yet playing we were just starting to practice again together he moved to Chattanooga on his own dime to be a practice player for CFC he trained his way onto the team made the team and now has a real professional contract and has made a couple appearances um yeah, I really, really like his story. Now, he is a number 10 traditionally. He would be an attacking midfielder. But as with many players, as they transition to the pro game from the college game, a lot of times you go, you do not play that same position. If we remember Gabby Torres was a 10 who became one of the best left backs in the league and then and also played a little bit of six before getting to Chattanooga and now is a, a starting left back in the USL Championship and one of the best left backs in USL Championship. Um, you look at, Tate Robertson, who we'll get to in a minute, who is a, a winger, a seven or an 11, and is now playing the six for us. So players can move a lot. Uh, I think Cutler's best position is at one of the wingbacks, right wingback or left wingback, and he is a really electric going forward because as a 10, a lot of passing, a lot of touching, a lot of touches, excuse me. So he's not, he's comfortable with the ball. I would, is, I would is also that how add, you guys see that? I would also add about Cutler that his first appearance for us like you mentioned, it was against Cosmos as a right back. As a right back, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think long term he projects probably more as a right back. See, uh, I think he projects more as a right wing back because I don't know if he will have the defensive size. He's about, and I, I've stood next to him well, once. I mean, it's kind of tomato tomato because some teams play with a six foot tall right back. Some teams think about how Liverpool use Trent Alexander Arnold. He's, he's not even. He's barely a right back. He's basically That's a winner. fair. He's essentially though a he's pipe size. Like he's five foot six ish. Five foot seven. Yeah, but the what the if you watch him play, like he's Well got, Pipe got a haircut, so it's five five now. He's got that he's got that kind of like like kind of nasty tenacity. Uh and like he's he's hard nosed. Uh, so I, I'd still, I, I think the, the conversation about a right back versus a right wing back is splitting hairs, to be honest. Okay. Um, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see <laughs> well, Matthew, what, what if there's does. anybody in this room that loves to, to split, split a hair, <laughs> talk I, about pot I, I, I realize that. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, actually, yeah. <laughs> hey, let me so, tell you this. We got new players coming to the team as well. So, so let me sum up these three players real quick. Ryan Marcano, you're likely to see at right wing back, occasionally at right winger, and maybe a little bit up top. But I think right wing back is principally where, where you will see him. It's where you saw him and most scoring of last bicycle year. kicks and scoring bicycle kicks in the middle of the goal, which is wild. And we love you, Ryan. Alec McKinley, you're likely to see at either right back or center back, mm-hmm. most likely on the right side, but he also can play on the left side. His feet make it so offensively he can kind of play anywhere along that back line, and it just depends on if he can stay healthy when we might see him in some really interesting positions. And Cutler Coleman is one of your backups at both right wing back and left wing back and potentially also at right back. And again, a little bit like Ryan Marcano, at late in the game, if we're looking for a spark and we need fresh legs, you could see him up front in one of the one of the winger spots, but I don't think that's most likely. Um, but there's a lot of flexibility and versatility in those three guys, especially in Marcano and Cutler up top, and that makes things really interesting. Now, as Smitty said, we have three new players in the back line to mention. The first of them is Angel Hurtado. Angel signed as a academy player, just like Michael Beretta. He is... Uh, 18 
He comes from the North Georgia Soccer Academy, and he comes to us as a player who also I, did he practice with us last year? Yes. So he mm-hmm. comes as a, as a not an unknown quantity this year. He was a center back slash defensive midfielder, mostly defensive midfielder. He was captain of his uh, of his team and. By the way, shout out to the four two three soccer pod guys. If you haven't listened to their interview with Karem, who did, who is the uh, director of the North Georgia Soccer Academy, um, he they talked a lot about um, Angel. But he is an incredible, incredible defender. He's a leader. Now he's a young player on this team, so you're not going to see him as a leader amongst professionals. But he has that grit and that tenacity and that leadership amongst kids his age, and he can really, really defend one on one. And you're likely to see him at right center back or potentially at the six. Uh, Matthew, you've seen Angel a lot more than I have, as you've attended quite a few practices this spring. Uh, kind of, what do you expect from Angel? Uh, yeah. So you you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think for us. Uh, especially if, if we continue to play this three five two, uh, just numbers wise, he makes a lot more sense uh, as one of the one of the outside center backs. He's a little bit undersized to be a center back. What's his preferred foot? Right. Uh, so I think, uh, and he's he's about five foot eight. He's maybe five nine. Yeah, he's 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 a, he's a little undersized to, to be a center to be back a center back. He's, yeah, he's a very very good one on one defender. Um, that's not to say he can't defend when it's not one on one, but He's not. He doesn't have the size to go win a bunch of headers. He's not a Nick Spielman or a yeah. Nick so Spielman. And, and so I mean, he plays. He plays the six for where he played the six for for his academy for his for for high school. Uh, and th- and that's going to be his best position long term. Uh, I think. I think we give we give him reps at at center or at center back. We give him reps as as a six. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to take an academy player. And throw them straight into playing the six in our system because that position is just so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think going out uh, and we're skip. I'll skip ahead just briefly here. I think going out to go get Tate Robertson to play the six for us. Uh, I think shows Bro, that we want spoiler to, alert that we wanted to upgrade the episode. <laughs> that, we, that we wanted to upgrade that position mm-hmm. uh, to find someone who really fits the style of play that that Coach Fuller wants to. Yeah. Um, so I. I Angel's one of those guys. I you know I think we'll see him in in some of these friendlies down the road. I I wouldn't imagine that we see him uh, yet in a in a meaningful uh, professional game. Yeah, and a lot uh, of that is just how important experience is in the two positions that he plays, which is yeah. defensive mid and yeah. center back. Totally, it's it's hard to have a young player in there. Um, but especially I lo- as you're still adjusting to the speed of play. Of yeah, I look forward to seeing him because what I what I have been able to see of him in practices, um, he looks very good. So moving forward to who I somebody that I think is going to be a lot of people's favorite new player this season. Um, that's uh, James Kasak. Breezy, tell me about him. So one last note on Angel. Again, if it wasn't clear, he's an academy signing just like Michael. Yes. So he is he is keeping his college eligibility, playing with professionals, playing for essentially no money and training year-round, and he has a high, high ceiling. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we expect to actually see him 10 minutes. James Kasak. Okay. This guy is this guy electric wow left-footed attacking left-sided defender so he is likely to play left back or left wing back and honestly could probably play left wing i mean he is electric going forward we saw against louisville he torched louisville 
three times. He mm-hmm. got an assist immediately. He tor- torched them more than three, but there's three in, in particular that stuck out in my mind. He torched them again and was unlucky to not get another assist. Right. And, and put us up 2 nothing. And then he torched them a third time all by himself and just inches away from getting um, uh, another, maybe not quite assist because the other players weren't there, but he, he was unreal so i think what players can expect or excuse me what uh, fans can expect to see from him is a lot of playing on the break he has a lot of work to do as a defender and i don't mean that he's a young player and he's an incredible attacking player as a left back he's the opposite of sean russell sean russell <laughs> is a defense first player he's a very good defender leaves a little bit to be desired going forward the polar opposite of that is james Kasak. he is an okay defender but he's a, a lot of ways he's a winger playing left back, but he's an exceptional, exceptional attacking player. And he hopefully his defense grows a little bit. And honestly, if he plays like he played against Louisville, he won't be here long. So, so Kasak uh, is a, was a four year player at Virginia Tech. Very, very good in, program in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out Ryan Marcano, who was also a one year Virginia Tech player before he transferred, but he yeah. was there his freshman year. Uh, he was he was a a, a left winger slash striker. For his first couple of years at Virginia Tech. Oh, I thought he was a four-year left back. I did not and, realize and that they, makes sense. They converted him back to to a left back, uh, so he's still you know relatively young as as, as a left back. Um, he was drafted by Sporting oh, Kansas yeah, City. Oh yeah, I was just about to mention that he was drafted. I think in the first round by by Sporting KC. Uh, no, he did not sign uh, last year with with the COVID and the pan with the COVID with, with the, the pandy, COVID with the pandy. And everything else. Yeah, he was. He he ended up sitting out a year. Essentially, he went back to. He, so he went back to to school to finish his degree. He trained with the Virginia Tech uh, men's team in the fall, but he had no eligibility left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I he was. I mean, he was on trial with both both Sporting KC two and with Birmingham last year. Um, and COVID hit just before anything could be finalized. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would have been. He would have been somewhere else. And and so whatever I here. I have to think based on seeing him in. One the one practice I was able to attend, seeing him from the stands then, and then seeing him in the Louisville game, and I, and this is just two games, small sample size, but boy, are we lucky that he slipped through the cracks because yeah. he looks like a real good one. Very and un- good. Unfortunately, and let's just be honest, I think we might be looking for a new left back in the summer <laughs> because I think somebody will come in. Every one of these players, for anyone that doesn't know, every player on this con- on this team has a release clause in their contract, and that means if a team offers over a certain amount, they are able to mutually terminate their contract with co- like with contractually terminate their contract with the club. The club mm-hmm. gets a payout, and the player gets to move on. That's if the player wants to, of course. Yeah. It's not a it's not a buy on clause like quite like it works in in European soccer where they pay the amount and suddenly like. Yeah, it's not quite as snap your fingers, but like if the player wants to go and the team's willing to pay for him. So mm-hmm. there is a number, and we don't know what it is, but there's a number in case Axe deal. And I would assume that if he looks like he's looked now, somebody will come and pay that number unless it's exorbitantly high. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's, for our sake, I hope it's after we win a NISA title. <laughs> right. Yes. But uh, yeah. And, and just to be super clear, this is what we want as yes. well. We We want to be a place that players come get showcased in a team in a higher division until we're in a higher division because there's promotion and relegation and we're playing for MLS championships whenever MLS is not currently MLS. (laughs) But I just mean a first division. Players that come here that play well, get bought, get and and, and get moved on. Yes. Also, also it is, has a financial benefit for the club, which Mm -hmm. is important being in a small, Mm -hmm. in a small market with a club that's trying to be, 
like just kind of sustainable and not constantly you know throwing owner money into it. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Uh, yeah. And and it makes sense for us in the third division uh, without right now without the chance of promotion relegation. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to live within our means uh, and 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 then just try to help players. Be the, be the best they can be and then move yeah. on. And by the way, we should be, just like for the Ace Academy guys, we should help them become better players and hopefully professionals down the line. We should help young guys like Kasak, who's pretty young. I think he's 22. Mm-hmm. Like, we should help. If if he and others on this roster have the ability to play at a higher level, we should hope that they reach that level and reach that level quickly. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's not only beneficial for us, which we've just stated, because the club can get some money off of those transfers, but more than anything, it's beneficial for those players. And those it, those players are not making a ton of money to play here. Minor league baseball, minor league soccer, you don't make a ton of money. So those players need to develop and get bigger paydays down the line and reach their full potential. And if he can reach his full potential somewhere else at a higher level, good for him. Just yep. And reputationally, it's really good for this club. Exceptionally good. It is. It's one of the biggest things. I think reputationally the fans are one of the biggest things people would come to and then next it'll be just the integrity of the club but then we go into how we're able to develop players promote players move them on players are going to want to come here without us asking them though and well i i think with as intelligent as we're finding players think about rayleigh last year Mm -hmm. there will be more rayleigh's to come Kasak probably being one of them. Um, we'll, we'll see more. So we've got a brand new defender that I don't even know much about. Announced, except that Announced today. Hey, he's got a beautiful head of hair. My God. And apparently he's very tall. Mr. Caio Da Silva. Mm-hmm. First of all, Caio, I hope that's how it's pronounced. What a name. Uh, that is my new favorite name. I wish, and I don't know what he'll do yet, but I wish that he would put just Caio on the back of his jersey, just like Zeka. Because like, <laughs> come on! Actually, I think Zach even had Faraz on the back of his jersey. Did, yeah. But it should it should be first of all, uh, he's Brazilian, so we can pull it off. Caio has as of Brazilian heritage, so he could just put Caio. I feel like now that's up to him. But I think it'd be awesome if he just put Caio, and we could just call him Caio. But that's up to him. I don't know what he'll put, but Caio da Silva, Matthew. I know you've watched some tape on this guy. Tell us about him. Yeah, so Caio da Silva is uh, six foot four. He's a center back. Uh, uh, a nice, a nice wrinkle uh, for the fans is that uh, he played previously as a striker, uh, more more of a target man type type striker. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility if, say, we're losing, we're down a goal late in a game, and we want a big focal point up top, that we move him up there uh, as as a target, something to play off of. Uh, that's he's, that's pretty wild. He was a four year player at University of Albany. And Is University of Albany a pretty good program? I honestly don't know. I don't either. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but honestly, the thing about that I've, I've come to understand about about college soccer and the in the in the NCAA system is there's some really good programs out there, and then there's some just like okay programs where good players come from, mm. uh, and and there are not a ton of great programs for college soccer, but there are like play pro players come out of a lot of different places, uh, right, and. And it almost, it really almost doesn't matter. Like, if you are you D one, are you D two, are you with the America East Conference, are you in the in, in the ACC? Uh, with with some few exceptions, there's you can find good players anywhere, and it's it's mostly about who the player is, how do they play, how do they fit, things like that. 
And so Kyle was at most recently, like you said, at the University of Albany, but also he's been on trial for most of the spring at Birmingham, where he mm-hmm. played against us for 90 minutes, and he also played against Atlanta United um, at, at center back. And my understanding was he looked good in both of those, so good that we wanted to get a look at him when Birmingham let him go, and then we signed him pretty quickly. Um, what kind of player are we looking at? You said six foot four. Um, yeah, so his so his highlights, and, and let's just be frank here, like highlight tapes do not show everything. I'll be, I'll be Andrew, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but he can he can hit a long ball, extremely well. He switches the the point of attack, uh, extremely well. Uh, he's got I think, as I recall, pretty good feet. Uh, you don't see a lot of um, you don't see a lot of you know short passing, intricate, quote unquote Brazilian style passing from him. I wouldn't say. Um, he's he's pretty fast though. He's not you know maybe overly quick, but he's pretty fast. Uh, and and you get that Soren speed, that yeah, top speed. And, and and you see that you see that a lot in his attacking highlights speed. more than anything. Uh, he's he's been known when he was when he was uh, when he was a forward, he would get on the break a little bit and be able to finish chances. Um, and out of a six foot four guy, that's not something so, to be so recovery at. recovery speed uh, is something that you might you you might see from him. Uh, I mean, obviously he he just you know he just signed. We just announced him today. Uh, he's not been he's not been in Chattanooga very long. Uh, so I like I don't I don't know how much we will see him, uh, or or how well he's bedded into into the team yet. You just never know with with kind of new signings. Now mm-hmm. that being said, if you remember last year, we added Sean Reynolds, Ray Lee, Ian McGrath, and 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 probably somebody else that was important within about you know ten days of playing Oakland Roots. Um, so it's not like this thing is unprecedented in. And for us, or in just lower division soccer in general. Also, last thing on him before we move on, he is the only uh, backup center back on the roster, in the sense that Alec McKinley, while sometimes a center back, also uh, an outside back. Kyo is a center back and projects to be either the backup or a starter, so he's the only pure center back on that uh, on the bench, mm-hmm. so to speak. And you know, maybe he'll start or whatever else. But I think that means you may see him. Uh, sooner rather than later when it comes to um, when it comes to playing, right? Any injury to any one of those three guys or whatever, he's he's I think he's in there pretty quick. Yep. Um, also, actually, he's one of three. If you count Richard Dixon, we count him as a center back, but really isn't, could be considered an outside back. So he might be one of only three center backs. Oh, uh, well, anyway, okay. now we're I'm just really split I'm here. But, all right. So <laughs> midfielders, returner and capitan, El Capitan Juan Hernandez, the Juan and only. He'll steal your girlfriend too. <laughs> so it's, oh, I missed that chance. Except he he won't anymore. Except he's, a, except he's the nicest boy, and he probably wouldn't have anyway because he's he could, no. but he wouldn't. And he would know he could, but he still wouldn't because he's so well mannered. Yeah, and he's married now, and, and he's definitely married now. Um, Juan Hernandez. What is there to say? Number one, he he's the only guy with a pass to make our top goals uh, show <laughs> uh, with a pass, <laughs> not a goal. Uh, he scored against Louisville and looked. Very nice in doing that. He is hanging on the wall behind Smitty's head, um, and I have a jersey with his name on it. I think if you ha- if you haven't been watching CFC, uh, obviously you don't know who any of these players are. But if you've been watching CFC since 2015, also welcome to watching CFC. Welcome to watching CFC. Welcome to the heartbreak that is pro sports <laughs> and and all sports. But it's it's a good time. Uh, Juan Hernandez is the longest tenure player on CFC. He's the captain for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's good to see him back. 
I yeah, agree. I, I don't know if there's there's like a lot. I don't I don't really know we to talk say. too much about him. Can play the six, can play the eight, can play the ten. Um, I think you'll see him in all three of those positions at different times this year. And in that three five two, he'll be in one of the three midfield spots. Mm-hmm. And I expect that he will start more games than than not. But I also expect it will be a rotation in that midfield a bit too, uh, with a lot of guys playing different positions and different roles depending on what kind of tactical thing we're rolling out there. Yep. Um, yeah, and Juan has really reinvented himself as he's gotten older, and I can I bet he will continue to do so. Um, Ian McGrath, another returner, the guy that I have a jersey of. You have a game worn jersey. Game of. worn. So Ian McGrath is a giant. He and Kayo are the two tallest players on the team, followed by Nick Spielman. Uh, both are Ian's about six foot five. Kayo's about six foot four, and Spielman's probably six three. For soccer players, those are large gentlemen. Ian is exceptional in the air, but he. Uh, different from a lot of guys who are exceptional in the air and very tall, he's also very good with his feet. The only thing Ian lacks, and I don't think this is a secret, is blazing pace. He <laughs> He's not beating most guys in a foot race, but he is good or adequate at just about everything else. But he will beat them to the ball on a set piece. And he has go-go oh gadget God. legs. Mm-hmm. They can come out of nowhere. And he almost scored against Louisville, and... He was a lot of our offense last year in his ability to go get the ball in the air, knock it down and be dangerous, or play smart with his feet and score goals, which he mm-hmm. did all through the Independent Cup and before his injury in the regular season. And after his injury, he was still very key to what we did offensively. And I expect he will be key uh, this year as well. Maybe not quite as focal because we think we have a few different players, which we'll get to, that can do a few different things, but I think he will still remain a very important part of our offense. Which is good because he's the same player, but it's going to be harder for teams to specifically game, game plan, plan him yeah. and and potentially mark him out of the game. Anything else I need to add on, Ian? Uh, Sean Hofstadter. Hoff. Senor Hoff, another guy who you will hear from very shortly on the pod, the other banked episode we have that will come out during the bubble. Sean Hofstadter is a forward-turned everything he's a he's a center forward turned 10 and i think for us you're going to most often see him playing the 10 but you saw him in preseason just in the louisville game we watched him play center forward 10 and left center back we all in the same game every single position positional i like i don't think he's played right back but he played left back in a game he's played in he's played as a center back the only position he hasn't played is keeper um and we found out in that episode that we just talked about he was listed as a backup keeper um for us one game so that the ultimate swiss army knife and and i think the thing that folks should watch for is how much ground sean hofstetter covers he is a tremendous athlete Uh, he's a good soccer player but his superpower his you know every player has a thing that they're excellent at his thing is pure athleticism Mm -hmm. he can run and he can jump he plays a similar role when Ian McGrath is not in the team to Ian McGrath, except he's six inches shorter. So I think the goal we saw him score against Louisville will not be the only goal he scores this year, knock on wood. And I think we will see him start and play a lot of minutes uh, at the 10 and sometimes at the eight running box to box, but at the 10 a lot in a rotation with Juan Hernandez, Ian McGrath, and Sean Hofstadter. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the rotation you'll see. Plus, you'll see Hoff a little bit on the wing up top, a little bit up top as a forward, and uh, as we saw against Louisville, maybe a center back, which is very strange. But, you know, when when you're a Swiss Army knife, you can kind of do it all. 
Anything I missed? I know I'm flying through those, but those are two guys that I know pretty well. Mm-hmm. Let's no, move, I think that's good. Let's move on to Cameron Woodfin. Matthew, Cameron Woodfin last season, and I know, I realized, by the way, during this podcast, I sound a l- way different in how I'm running this thing uh, as the host based on the these after shows we've been doing. It's very weird. I can hear myself just talking differently. Uh, anyway, Cam Woodfin has transitioned a, a, a quite a bit in his career. He's been a 10 with us traditionally, but last season we saw him play left wing back quite a bit. This season he projects at least based on the Louisville game, as a right wing back. Tell us a little bit about his kind of development as a player and what you expect from him this season in this CFC team. So we've talked a little bit about earlier how players sometimes are one thing, and uh, but as they grow up in their, in their soccer career, they become other things because they, they can do, or, or they're just better at other positions against better players. I think Cam Woodfin's a perfect example of that. Uh, he's He grows up as a 10. Uh, he's... He's got good vision, can, can slip a ball through. Grew up as a forward. Well, you know, forward. Uh, ten for us. I mean, oh yeah, okay, you're right. Uh, and and he played a lot of a lot of winger in college. Uh, but where where Cam Woodfin is now is probably probably his best position long term uh, as as either either back to being a, a seven a right winger. Mm-hmm. Or of a right wing back, really just a a wide player, yes, in general. But also, you've seen the modern game of soccer switch to the creative players being on the wing. Yeah, there's there isn't as much of that midfield dynamo dictating everything. Kind of, you know, a, a second striker. There there isn't as much of that. Um, you'll see a lot of that coming from the wings. And Cam Woodfin is. Perfect. Can't, for he that. has tremendous athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is a tireless worker up and down the field, and he can serve a ball in. Yes, and and with either him, foot. And yeah, yes. and that makes him valuable for us. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable. So can Kasak, by the way. Yes, definitely true. I think I don't think it's unreasonable to see Cam uh, as an eleven, as a left winger at times as well. Mm-hmm. Left winger, uh, right winger, or right wing back. And and and. I mean, honestly, he's and, probably and on, a backup left wing back for and, us too. And by the way, yeah, mm-hmm. if Kasak goes somewhere like we're predicting, you might see Cam Woodfin. Who was our starting left wing back. left wing back for most of the season? Yeah. So I think, interestingly enough, last year we we had some weaknesses when it came to wing backs. It wasn't that every game, but we often had either injuries or non left footers or whatever that caused us to play non ideal lineups. Uh, this year, I think our strength might be our wingbacks. Cam Woodfin at right wingback is mm-hmm. a very, very good player and a more experienced player than Ryan Marcano and a different look. And Ryan is still available there, but you have a different look in Cam Woodfin. And on the left side, you have Kasak, who is a different look uh, from anybody we've had and probably an upgrade on anyone since Ray Lee's famous 90 minutes. So... I think that wingback becomes very, very interesting this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we may see a lot of our attack instead of running through the middle of the midfield, uh, which it still will at times, but may run through the wings and the wing backs in particular. Um, moving straight down the list to Kyle Carr, a guy we didn't see in preseason yet because he is currently injured. and Don't tell me he back. shaved his mustache too, because I'll be fucking pissed. I don't know, actually. But I hope he hasn't. Uh, because, I mean, I saw him a few days ago, and he, because he, he sp- hadn't. But I also saw Red a few days ago, and he still had a mustache. Let's so. remember that Kyle Carr is one who started the mustache revolution at Chattanooga Football Club. Mm-hmm. So yeah, love, love, love that mustache. And if he didn't, Kyle, if you're listening to this, 
grow it back if you've shaved it. Um, so if you want to listen to Kyle Carr's episode, by the way, you can go to episode 24. That's Kyle Carr and Cam Woodfin. They talk about their mutual love of jean jackets, craft beer, and uh, being awesome and looking like super troopers. Kyle Carr last season was the Swiss Army knife. If if Sean, if, uh, Sean Hofstadter is a Swiss Army knife, mm-hmm. Kyle Carr is almost equally as much of a Swiss Army knife just Less, across the back line yeah. and the midfield and not the attack. Right. Um, what do you expect, Smitty, to see from Kyle Carr this season? I think we'll see him playing out wide a lot more as either a wing back or a right back, which we saw that towards the end of the season. And we, we also talked, too, we don't have as many center backs on the roster this year, so he's somebody that can fill in a center back. He's somebody that can fill in as um, a midfielder as well. So really, we'll kind of see him, if somebody need, somebody has an injury or somebody needs rotating, Kyle Carr's going to be that guy. I think that Kyle Carr is your first guy off the bench in all the positions that aren't wingback, and he still could see time at wingback. He did see time at wingback mm-hmm. last year. But I think with Cutler and uh, and Marcano and then adding Kasek and Cam to the wingback rotation, you could see Kyle out there. So I agree with that. But also I do think like exactly what you said with center backs, I think him and Kyle are your first two guys off the bench at center back. And Kyle, if he's healthy, might also be your first guy off the bench or maybe even starter at the six. Uh, depending mm-hmm. on how Tate is playing. So you have a lot of interesting, um, and we haven't got to Tate yet. We've talked a lot about him, though, which tells you what kind of player he is. Uh, I think you're going to see Kyle play all across. Do you have anything else you want to say about Kyle before we move forward, Matthew? You're looking at me like you do. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. He did he did start out a few games in the bubble at wing back. Uh, I think he makes a lot more sense as, as one of the outside backs than a back four. I think right backs might be his best position. I agree. With, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right now, that's not really the way we're playing. Uh, but I think I think as as he recovers, he's going to be a valuable piece for this team down. The, also, uh, as a, the spring season, if, if we're going to be under it, if we're going to play a more defensive lineup, him in a midfield two mm-hmm. with either Tate or Juan, or potentially even um, both I, of them. Yeah, like he's he's a guy who can sit deep and dictate play. He, he's a good passer of the ball, but also a good defender. Yeah, I think you might see him in the midfield in a two or a single, but especially in a two, um, because I thought him and Juan looked really good together. But yeah, I think you'll see him a lot. I think you'll see him start a little bit. I think you'll play a lot of minutes overall, but I think maybe you, you see him as one of those players who plays 15 minutes almost every game because he's coming in for somebody at some position uh, to help out. Um, moving right along to Ricardo Ricky Bahena. And, I, and I'm sorry I just butchered your name, Ricky, but I, I my Spanish is terrible. Uh, Ricky is the third and final Academy player we have to talk about. Now, Ricky is a, different from our, the first two guys we've mentioned, which are goalkeeper and a defender. He's an attacking player. He's not a forward, mm-hmm. but he's an eight or a ten. Um, and and he, he may not he may not be the, the biggest guy. He's, he's very thin. He's a bit... He's I, still growing into his yeah, frame. Yeah, he's still growing into his frame. But when you watch him play, those he needs feet, to work out with Sean. He does need to take some workout, to, and he's well, more like he needs to hit the the kitchen with Sean, because like I, whatever Sean does in the gym, I'm sure will work for him too. But he needs someone to you know get him eating some protein, uh, get put some muscle on that frame. But he is likely to play uh, if he plays at at a little bit further up the field. And and mm. the reason I mentioned that part is I think it's he might be the the academy kid that's most likely to get minutes. And here's why I say that. Putting an attacking player in when you're up 3 nothing or 4 nothing for the last 5 minutes or 10 minutes to get some touches on the ball up top and run around is different than putting in a defender that could easily concede a goal. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm not saying predicting we will see him necessarily a lot, but I could see a world in which we did see him uh, at the end of a few games and he had a few actual regular season appearances for five minutes because he made the bench and he worked really hard. And he is a silky, smooth, really tricky-footed player wonderful technical ability. And if he grows into that frame a little bit and defenders can't bully him and push him around, he's a guy you could see signing a professional deal in Chattanooga. He may not need to bulk up his frame because your hands can't hit what your eyes can't see. And he is, (laughs) he's hard to tackle. He's so twick. He's so tricky. He's very quick at turning. um, And he plays at a very fast pace. Not, not necessarily his running speed. His speed of play is very quick. We've all been able to see him in practice. um, And he has looked really good in moments. So, so an interesting thing that's, that Smitty, you said earlier about how the game has kind of evolved to creative play happening from out wide. Mm -hmm. I think Ricky's a kind of a bit of a throwback to a classic number 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, he likes to pick up the ball, look, dictate, um, and, and I think an interesting thing for him is he ends up in some really, really good positions uh, just outside the 18 uh, in, 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 in the attacking third. And if he starts, uh, if he is able to, you know, with all this practicing at the next level, if he is able to uh, get some goals, get some assists uh, in, in training, I think there's going to be minutes for him for sure uh, down the line because because a, a player like that doesn't come along in your backyard too mm-hmm. often. I agree with that. I agree 100%. Um, moving to the last player in the midfield category. And I the category, new sexy. The new guy that we've talked about more than any other guy, basically, but hasn't actually gotten to him yet on the list is Tate Robertson, or should I say Tate motherfucking Robertson? (laughs) I think that Tate Robertson is going to be a guy similar to how Spielman played all the games last season. Mm -hmm. Here's my here's my hot take of the episode. Do it. Uh, I think Tate Robertson is going to lead the team in minutes this year, Um, and here's why. I we brought him in to ostensibly be the starter at the six. Mm -hmm. He also profiles as a right back or as a winger, Mm -hmm. but he is probably. Or probably it's the wrong word. He's arguably our best right back in a four. He's arguably starting level as a winger, though I don't know how much we'll see him there because we don't play with wingers. But really, he's far and away the best combination of attack and defense, heavy on the defense, as a six. Um, He's the guy we went out to get so that we could have... Which is crazy because he was a winger in college. It's it's wild. But he's the player that we went out to get to fill the gap that we had at six because we had some good defensive players or good offensive players. I mean, Juan Hernandez played the six, and he he played it reasonably well, but Juan is not a six. We'll see him there a little bit, but he's not a traditional six. David Coloco was a traditional six. six. Eric Panzer's a center back playing the six. Kyle Carr is a midfielder that, Maybe as a center back, maybe as a right back, they can play the six. But I think Tate Robertson provides an upgrade in the all-around game on all of those guys when playing the six. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see Tate Robertson. That's my again my hot take for the my prediction for the episode that he will uh, he'll lead the team in minutes because I think he will be out there in some capacity every single game. CFC fans will remember. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to cough for a minute here. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, CFC fans will remember Tate Robertson from the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we played Stumptown Athletic in two friendlies in October, uh, he played he played right back in the in the away game in that two two draw, 
and he played uh, center back. I'm sorry, not center back. He played the six uh, in in the game in that rain soaked zero zero game mm-hmm. um, at home. He's he's an interesting one, and 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 you guys mentioned you know we played winger in college. Uh, he played kind of winger in ten in PDL, uh, getting goals and assists. So, uh, I, I think his versatility also is what made him attractive mm-hmm. for us. Um, and and obviously, I think coach coach seeing him at, at a combine, seeing video on him uh, when when you know starting the the off season. Uh, I think there's a reason why he was he was sought after uh, in lockdown uh, when he was. Yeah, I mean, and you you get to go to a little bit more practices than than any of us, and in kind of our first few practices, you were he was the person that you were talking about a lot. You're like, look out, watch for Tate. Like he's very good. You're really gonna like him. Um, from what I saw of him um, in the couple of practices I've been able to see and the Louisville game, um, he just he's very confident. Like he seems very assured on the ball. It's, it's like confidence, borderline cockiness, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like which I appreciate. Like that edge you sometimes because need. That's the exact same thing that Spillman has. So that's another tool that we have. And then guess what? Somebody else. Juan Hernandez gets to come in. So we've got a lot more in the midfield. Um, and it's pretty exciting, which that is going to allow our very attacking wingbacks that we have to be able to get up the field even more and to get the distribution. Um, so I think, I don't, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but you'll see through Tate's defensive abilities it's going to allow cfc to be more attacking than we were last year when we were very much so defend first side i think we'll still be a defend first side always which i'm glad defense wins championships but we will have the ball more i think i think if tate can turn somebody over in midfield he's going to spring a counter with with the first pass Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, for sure and that's and that's a really attractive uh counterattacking uh, setup for us. Mm-hmm. You want to move to the forwards? Why not? So we have returning Brian, best hair on the team. Please never cut your hair. Beam it. How excited are you that he's back? I'm very excited. I think, I think Brian is in a lot of ways, uh, the type of player, um, if, if if there's if there's like you know guys coming out like this is their first pro contract type player for us I think Brian kind of epitomizes uh, what a more experienced pro coming to CFC uh, really is mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't he what you know he's played he played for Puerto Rico in an ASL he played for uh, Jack's Armada uh, those their reserve team Um you know, he played for Ford Madison. Yeah, he's a long-term professional. And and he was a guy that didn't really have many other options uh, mm-hmm. after Ford Madison uh, showed him the door. And he's really, um, he's found a home here uh, and kind of jump-started his career again. Uh, he can... Also, I want to point out, even though he, and Coach said this in the documentary, he didn't have a lot of other options, it wasn't like he shouldn't have. Agreed. We got lucky in a lot of ways. We got an experienced player and a good player that was kind of down on his luck, so to speak, that needed a restart but had the talent and the ability, and now we're seeing the fruits of that by getting a player that should have had other options. 
but for whatever reason didn't have many others. And we were the best landing place for him, and it was a win-win for both. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing a guy that, you know, maybe this is home, right? Maybe yeah. this is a place that he's done. I think this is where you were going with this. Maybe he's the kind of player that is an experienced player that comes here instead of a younger player on the way up on their career going somewhere else. You know, he played in the NASL. He played in the second division. He played at a high level. Four, Madison's not in the in the first or the second division, but they're a reasonably good side. They're a good side. Mm-hmm. And playing here, while well, it might be a step down, quote-unquote, on paper, this is also a good place to, to play out the last two, three, four, five years of your career and be a leader for young guys and maybe a mentor for young guys and also score a bucket load of goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including including a huge, huge goal uh, for us in that Kai United game to send us through to the uh, to the semifinals of the NISA fall tournament. Mm-hmm. And more of which I think you'll see. I think you'll see more goals like that. Yeah. So next we have Topher Marshall, winger, striker. We have seen him at wingback as well. Yep. Very attacking choice. Um, he's also an incredible stand-up, as we've seen in the documentary. <laughs> Christopher Topher Marshall. Just realized I was muted for the last uh, one minute that I talked. That'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> you can tell I... We miss you, Producer Jay. Yeah, we, we definitely do. Um, so Topher Marshall is an interesting player. He's another one of those players we talked a little bit about earlier with Cutler and, and Alec and, and Ryan. He's entering his... They're, they're all a little bit different, but they're all younger players entering their either their first full year or their second full year. And he's entering his second full year of... Uh, of soccer, and this is the make-or-break year for him. Mm-hmm. He played a lot of short stints last year. He played a lot of f- five, ten, and occasionally fifteen-minute bursts, mm-hmm. and he had some up-and-down performances. And there was some promise there. And if he plays well, he could certainly break out this year. Mm-hmm. But it's a make-or-break year because yeah. he never was a nailed-down starter last year. And unless he gets to be a nailed-down starter this year. You know, it's it's hard to see kind of where he fits in this team and a team that we don't play with a lot of wingers. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes and how he performs this season. Yeah, he's a very high-energy player. Um, he, he will never not put forth every single F, every bit of effort that he has. Boy's also been hitting the gym. Um, Looking we'll, we'll sit We'll sit out yeah. on the front patio at CBC and get a beer sometimes, and we'll see him walking uh, to the apartment. And a muscle tea. Yes. The veins popping. Uh, way to go, been Topher. On, he's been on that Sean Russell diet plan. I don't know. Whatever maybe Sean Russell may be on the Topher diet because <laughs> Topher's he's put on some muscle, man. Way to go. Um, Easy. Sean Russell's arms are still as big around as Topher's legs. Very accurate. Um, it, it'll be it'll be good for to, to see Topher take the next step and have some end product because he's always there and thereabout. Um, when is that first assist, that first goal going to come? And it could be one of the cases he gets one. The second, the third, the fourth follow quickly. After. I will. I will point out that he had an assist uh, at the very end of the season against Metro Louisville in the second to last game. Okay, uh, late, That's awesome. All late in the game, also I think in uh, in the substitute appearance. Um, I believe. I believe he got the. I think it was the fifth goal was the assist on that. So uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. Yes. Also, I don't, I don't think that Metro Louisville or the other game against the Kitties happened. So I was going to say the same thing, but also I don't want to take anything away from Topher. 
<laughs> but also, Topher, we appreciate you and your assist, but those games never happened. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's move back into, as Matt was about to say, the new players in Marcus Nagelstad. Mm-hmm. Matthew, tell us a little bit about Marcus. So Marcus uh, played a couple years of, of college soccer in D2, I believe at Bridgeport. Um, and I think led, I think he led NCAA division two in goals, uh, his two years there, um, uh, big, big time score. He played one year at Providence college, uh, in the big East, um, uh, and, and had a bucket full of goals there as well. And then he went overseas and he went, so he's native of Norway. Okay. Um, uh, and he went back to shout out Norway and he, and he went back to Norway. Shout and, out Sindri Wailo and, shout out and played Wailo. five like the five, second best um, fantasy Premier League manager in the Chattahooligans League this year. <laughs> uh, just going to move on from that one. Uh, he played five or six years uh, in in Norway before moving back to the United States uh, with his wife. Uh, he got uh, signed on to Hartford, where he was teammates with Gabby Torres uh, in, in the summer. Year? Last year in the summer. Nice. Uh, and he made... Uh, I think he played in most games for them, uh, although most uh, almost all of them were off the bench. So, so I believe he played in eight games, one start, if I'm remembering that correctly. And I think he was only eligible for eight or nine or ten. I yeah, mean, he, I, he got signed midseason. Yeah. And he scored one. And sh- in that same game, he hit the post or the, the woodwork as well. He's an in- incredible free kick taker. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he in the game he scored, and he scored an unbelievable free kick and then hit the bar on like basically the same free kick, uh, either earlier or later. I don't remember which one. Yeah, uh, he's, 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 he's a good ball striker uh, when, when, he, when he gets into position. Um, he's going to need, I think he's going to need some service uh, from, our, from our other attacking players. Hello, Cam Woodfin and Senor Kasek. Yeah, uh, but, if, but if players can, if players can, you know, connect with one another then then he could he could fill up the score sheet and and honestly quite honestly we need him to fill up the score sheet like i don't don't think it's i don't think it's gonna shock anyone for me to say like we brought him here to score goals um and and it's important that he does so and it's important for the team Mm -hmm. uh that that he does so Smitty, I'm going to ask you one quick question as we, as we move on about Marcus Nagelstad. And I'm only going to ask you about only this player, but goals and assists. Let's say we play oh, 30 we games roughly this season. Um, and we didn't have time to do this for everybody. And we don't have time to do it for everybody. But Matt said he was brought in to be the goal scorer or one of the goal scorers. Brought in to you know kind of replace some of those goals we lost with Darwin. And, and brought in to try to make our attack a little bit less one-dimensional mm-hmm. um, with set pieces and, and Ian McGrath headers how many goals and assists combined based on roughly 30 games. So that's could be five goals, five assists doesn't matter the breakdown, but goals and assists combined. What's the number that you feel happy with, with Marcus at the end of the season, if we play roughly 30 games, meaning 30 meaningful games. I mean. Yeah. I would say 12 goals, three assists with, for a total of 15 and the 15. Could and, break I, out. I, and I think he would be drastically more goals than assists. But even if that were fifteen and zero, or fourteen and mm-hmm. one, or even ten and five, you're cool with that, right? How about you, Matthew? Yeah, I think that number that number fits uh, with with what I'm with what I'm thinking as well. Um, I think he'll probably uh, I think he'll probably be our our main penalty kick taker. Uh, he scored one against Atlanta United. Uh, Shout out, drew drew and scored. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and which we didn't get to see, by the way, but we found out on Twitter afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I just think I just think he's 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 a very important piece for us, um, and I'm I'm excited to I'm excited to see meaningful games now because this is where it counts. Yeah, agreed. Shout out, welcome home, Felipe, Pipe, Senor Pipe, Oliveira. Yeah, boy. So happy. First of all, you can go back and listen to the first ever podcast with guests. So episode number two, I don't even have to pull out my phone and look up that to hear Felipe talk about his <laughs> soccer journey, him and Juan Hernandez. We apologize in advance. Uh, the production and uh, skill level amongst the hosting is almost as bad as my production level for this. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, shout out to Felipe. Welcome back um, really quickly as we need to move through these last two players as we're about to run up against a hard deadline in about... 14 minutes and we have a little bit of previewing to do um what matthew do you expect to see from felipe on his return to well not return to professional soccer return to cfc and his first year as a professional soccer player i think you're gonna see pipe mostly come in off the bench uh i think i think he's the kind of guy that that gets into can find gaps pretty well um and and is good playing off of uh, off of somebody else uh and i think he's the guy that that you bring in that has no pro uh, pro pedigree, probably won't be scouted that well, uh, and he's the kind of guy that will catch you sleeping, mm-hmm. and and will bury you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him late when we are uh, when we're chasing and we and we do kind of a tall and small. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see him late uh, in a when we're up a goal uh, and we're kind of sitting back a little bit to put him with a speedy player up front for for some counter attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think he'll, I, I don't think we'll, we'll see him kind of in the context of 2018 and 2019 where he was playing, you know, most of the minutes, um, on or most of the minutes of, of, of every game. But I think, I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have a role for us. Uh, and, and he got, what was it? Maybe 30, 20 minutes against, against Louisville. Um, and, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked to see to see him get 15, 10 or 15 minutes against LA Force. Sweetie, do you notice that Matthew always shows off the fact that he went to school in Kentucky or next to Kentucky, I should say, in Ohio, because he can say Louisville. 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 I didn't even notice that. Yeah. He's got, he, he seems to like really emphasize it when he says it. Um, give us the last words on Felipe. This is his first year. He's not, you know, different league than in PSL. He's probably a different player than he was in NPSL. Um, so I think he's going to need to take a little bit of time to get back to it. But if there's one thing, as all three of us know Felipe very well, he will not stop working until he is the player that he wants to be. Um, so I would expect as the season goes to see him get more and more minutes. Could not agree more. He's a guy that scored goals at every level he's ever played at, mm-hmm. and he'll figure it out. Including for Iron Horse 1869. 39. Excuse me. Wow. You're you're darn right. He has, and I, we we miss you on Tuesday night, Felipe. We're uh, way worse team without you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last player on the forward list signed today, just wow. like well, signed and announced today. I assume he was signed today. Maybe he was signed yesterday. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He was announced today. Brett Jones, Matthew, you have been on the Brett Jones train. I can say since last year when Coach went on a scouting trip and came back and was like, hey. This this Brett Jones guy, I, I saw this a college player. You might see him. You guys should watch some video on him. Tell us a little bit about him. December twenty nineteen. Uh, so that was over a year. That was so so long ago. Uh, so Brett Jones is really interesting. Um, 
he's he's incredibly athletic. He's incredibly fast. Uh, he played, I think, three years at University of California, San Diego, in uh, in NCAA Division Two. He was a very good player, a standout player for them. Uh, and then and then, uh, you know, COVID hit in in uh, in in spring of 2020. He ends up transferring to Oregon State uh, for for this for this calendar year uh, or for this academic year for school. Uh, Oregon State, I and, and I have not checked this in the last week, but last I looked, Oregon State was number three in the country right now. Uh, that's a very very good team. Mm-hmm. He did not get a lot of minutes for Oregon State this year, uh, which is which is an interesting interesting fact. Although I think that that the fact that they're ranked like number three in the country probably means it's tough to break into an established team that's working already. Especially as a first-year player at Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was basically just a senior transfer. Uh, I think I think it's a coup for us to get him. Uh, I think I think he... I think it might take a while for him to, to really bet in. Attacking sometimes takes a while or, for attacking players. But I think he's got potential to be to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And and I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he could do for us. I think the thing that makes me most interested in him is the the idea that we can see a foot race between Ryan Marcano and Brett Jones that might actually be very close in the sense that he might be Ryan Marcano fast. And if you've watched Ryan Marcano when he gets going, who buddy? Yeah. So I um I heard about this fabled speed. So I asked Coach Fuller. I was like, so we've had two burners in the past in Alan Webb and Joao. So how does he compare? Um, Coach said in a straight line, Alan is probably quicker than Brett. Um, but with the ball, Brett compares very much to Joao um, and possibly just as good with his ability to change direction and be fast with the ball. Yeah, that's that's going to be important. I have a feeling. Now, <laughs> that's saying a lot. So yeah, I I think we'll I'll believe it when I see it, but also that's very exciting to think about. Yeah, yeah so I've watched them I've watched some video, and I will say that the I don't think he, I agree with the almost as fast as Allen. He's got burners in open in open field. Allen is unreal fast. Um, I I I. I I don't think he's as fast with the ball as Joao. I've never seen a player play for us that's as fast as the ball with Joao. <laughs> so I'll believe, like you said, I'll believe that when I see it. But the fact that he's mentioned is, ex- mm-hmm. which is exactly what you were saying. The fact that coach is even mentioning them in the same sentence, and he's not saying that he's as polished of a goal scorer as Joao was, who led the, who won the Golden Boot in the uh, Members Cup. Like he's not saying that. He's saying that he could be as fast with the ball and very tricky in a similar way. I don't know how true that is, but the fact that he's mentioned in the same sentence mm-hmm. as a possibility, that bodes no, I, well for I us. I asked him the comparisons, right? Um, but it's like, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to yeah, think about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's very young, too. He's 21, I believe, almost yeah, 22, or just like turned that, yeah. 22. So he that is a good age to get a young player that has some raw ability but might not be the most polished player, right? So yeah. he's still young. I don't, I don't really think, develop. I don't think you'll see him as as like a target man number nine type. I think he's more of a second striker. I think he can play on both wings. So uh, I think him and Pipe, as you mentioned, you you expect to see Pipe a lot off the bench. I think you expect to see Brett Jones a lot off the bench, especially the, especially right now. Yeah, those are very different players, but they're both of them are big changes of pace. Very different from the guys that we have mm-hmm. starting or projected to start. I think at least in our estimations, in Brett and uh, and and um. In Beamont and Nagelstad, and so I think that you'll see them both play um, 
quite a bit. So we've probably got about 10, maybe even 12 more minutes. So let's move straight past some of the preseason stuff. We've kind of talked about most mm-hmm. of that stuff. Um, and move straight into the opponent breakdown. Now, we, what about the season stuff? Let's go. So this bubble, and and I'm going to have Matt explain in just a second the, how this bubble works because it's a little bit convoluted, and he's going to have to take a big drink of coffee in order to do that. Um, but in the opponents that we might see, so I'm going to name all the teams, and I'm going to tell you the first two that we will see for sure, and that is uh, as we're recording, we're recording on Monday night. We expect that you might be listening to this on Tuesday, potentially, which will be game day against the LA Force at 8 p.m. So we will talk a little Get bit fucked. extra about the LA Force. Get fucked, LA. Uh, New Amsterdam on Friday at 8 p.m. Uh, that will be the 16th. Uh, we'll talk a little bit extra about them. They look very different from last year. Additionally, Detroit... City will be down here. The famous Hamtramck Warriors. Michigan Stars, the team that actually plays in Detroit. Stumptown will come down here as well. A return to uh, pro soccer for Stumptown after a a hiatus. 1904, same thing. A team that played in Nisa before we joined and then got so scared when we joined that they quit for a year. Uh, Cal United, our foes who we drew with last season and just saw in the documentary. And uh, their Taco Bell and Wendy's logos and the Bobcats, who we have definitely never played to. Never played. Definitely never played, and I don't know anything about them. Definitely don't. Definitely didn't lose to them in the postseason last season, in the friendlies afterwards. Definitely, definitely didn't hope happen. Carlos is in our referee. Mostly definitely didn't happen. I don't know who that is either. So let's go to, right before we talk about some of these teams, Matthew, explain to us a little bit about this bubble. And number most importantly, besides the format, why is this bubble important? What does the winner of this bubble get? So the winner of this bubble gets an automatic bid into what is essentially the, uh, the season's semifinal. So the winner of this uh, Legends Cup bubble tournament will play the winner of the spring season uh, in a semifinal in Detroit for the right to play the fall tournament winners, Detroit City. Which means they go straight into the playoffs for the end of the season, essentially, even if it's only a semifinal. Mm-hmm. It's a yes. birth in the playoffs. It's, it's a birth on the in the line. playoffs. Right. Now, it's important to, to also make a note here. If Detroit wins one of these competitions, then it goes to the next team. Uh, would be so if Detroit City beats Cal United in the um, which actually can't happen because they're in the same group. If Detroit City beats LA Force in the final, I'm just so glad you didn't say us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not chasing us like that. Uh, in in the final of this Legends Cup, then LA Force becomes that semifinalist in the playoffs. Uh, that's how this works. I actually did not know that. I thought that uh, Detroit then just got rid of the semifinalist. No, interesting. No. Uh, I think I think there's some BN contractual agreements. Also, well, that also that makes sense because there has to be a game. Here's the other thing: Detroit has fair and square as much as I, they did not play. I felt like as well as Oakland in that final, they beat Oakland in the final in the fall, mm-hmm. and therefore they should have a place in the final this spring to play the spring winner. And in order to determine that spring winner, you want to have a secondary game. You don't want to just have it, the tournament winner be out. You want that somebody to have to beat the tournament winner and you want the tournament to mean something in a, in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. We're playing for, for four, like there are four playoff spots, I think. Right. Uh, and so but because, with nine teams, because everything gets weird because we don't have a perfect world. We're just kind of making this up as, as we go along, which is fine. Hashtag independent soccer. Yeah, but it, it's fine. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Now, nine teams playing this spring means so three groups of three. That's weird. So this is where it gets important. This is not like the World Cup or like the bubble that we saw in Detroit. 
we each team will play two games in their group. The best team, uh, so the three group winners, uh, the best of those group winners in terms of points, and then it's goal difference and goal scored, and it gets weird after that. The best one of those three group winners will go straight to the final of this Legends Cup. That's so weird. The two other group winners will play each other for the right to for play. For the right the f- to play in the final of the Legends Cup, which means it's incredibly important to not only win your you, two. You group need games, to win both. Mm-hmm. Games. You need to win. You need, but you need to win convincingly. Yes, if possible, you need the, to be high on the goal difference and high on the goal scores. You really, if you want to be realistic, if you want a chance to not have uh, be waiting on what other teams do, you probably need to win both your games three nothing. It would be nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting, I'm not predicting we're going to or not going to, but that's kind of the goal, right? Is to win both games and win both games convincingly. Yeah. Uh, so now the, the the wrinkle that that may or may not come up for us, we'll find out after after these after these two games in three days of group play. Uh, is the 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 three uh, or the the other the other six teams will be ranked in terms of their their group finish, uh, and and I don't exactly know how that works. I think it's by points or goal difference. It, it'll get weird. I've heard there's coin flipping involved at the, ver- at the very potentially end, at the very end. Those coin flipping. All, if all the tiebreakers go down weird, coin flips is the mm-hmm. last type. So however however it comes out, the four the four team versus the five seed. Will play each other. Six and seven will play each other, and eight and nine will play each other. That will happen on and that guarantees the every Thursday of, that the, guarantees, of the semifinal night. That guarantees everyone three games. Yes, that's that's mm-hmm. the really important now, part here. Now, everyone gets three games, and then two teams will get one team will get four games. Now, Matthew, do these games count towards the regular season points total? No, that's a bummer. It's not. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm just saying that's a bummer. I wish they did. I think it'd be really cool if it was a preseason tournament. Pre-season, or it was an in-season tournament that I had think, a I think it would only make sense birth. to do that if if we did not go out to play LA Force, if New Amsterdam did not come here. We if need, those were just the games that were covered as a part of it. I also I also don't really care. If, if like to be completely honest, I don't care. I just think it would like, be cool if these games counted towards yeah. regular season. I think they do. They I've, count it just in terms of getting us to the playoffs. I think True. we need to do an episode with somebody from the NISA competition committee, whatever it's called, so we can give them all of our brilliant ideas. Smitty, do you think they have a competition committee? Yes. Yeah, they do. I mean, you, you have to. They you do. all have more faith than I do. Uh, well, so like I said, please edit that out because I want somebody to come on the show so we can go. Because... <laughs> This, First of all, no one. From this podcast is very podcast. much so, and has always been intended to be us recording the conversations that we have any anyways, and to also get to interview players sometimes, which is awesome. Um, we have some crazy conversations about what we would love to see. That's so fair. I would love to meet with somebody from NISA in a podcast interview form uh, to give them all of our crazy ideas. By the way, I would also love that. I was just kidding about the competition committee, but that was a good joke. Hey, but also he wasn't <laughs> kidding. But also, do they really have a competition committee? Um, okay. All I'm saying is we don't know. So the goal here is to win this tournament, of course, and go straight into the playoffs. That means there's something legit on the line, and that's the best mm-hmm. part about this. This isn't just a preseason get ready for the tournament tournament, or get ready, excuse me, get ready for the regular season tournament. This no, is a preseason, preseason tournament. Happened. Yes. But this is preseason in the sense they don't count towards, like this is the regular season, but they don't count towards, that's why I said it'd be cool if they counted towards the regular season. It's a preseason tournament with a berth in the playoffs. This is a postseason because before the, play- the regular season tournament. Yeah, it's... It, there you go. It's weird, uh, but I, I like it. So we're, let's quickly move through these. LA Force on Tuesday, which we talked about. That is our next game. Matthew, 
you've done uh, some watching of the LA Force roster, including Chandler Hoffman, who apparently is on the LA Force now, which is terrifying as a very good player. How are you feeling like LA Force is going to uh, look against us and what kind of things should people watch out for? I think they're going to be better than they were last year, uh, which should be terrifying for most people because it is. they went down a man uh, about, what, 12 minutes in in our, in our game in the bubble and then proceeded to have the ball the rest of the game. Um, we were we played some really good defense that game. We were also a little fortunate uh, that their finishing wasn't that great. So what did LA Force do? They went and got a longtime professional player in Chandler Hoffman. Former MLS and USL standout. Yeah, so that's it's going to be a tough game. It'll be, if, if, if you only remember the scoreline from our game against them and it was 2-0, that was not a... The, they were down to 10 men like 13 minutes in. Yeah, they're 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 going to be tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the complete opposite, New Amsterdam last season, who were not particularly tough when we played them. We beat them 3-0. They are a massively different team this year. Do not sleep on New Amsterdam. Do not think they're going to be 3-0 bad again. Why, Matthew? Well, because they've turned over most of their roster. Uh, New Amsterdam has, I think, 11 or 12 new players that they've announced to this point, uh, including uh, in- including a, a really athletic forward from New England Revolution 2 and uh, uh, Malay Malongo, I believe that's his name. Uh, more importantly, they signed Bloody Bardic from New York Cosmos, uh, one of their forwards who scored against us in the Members' Cup in 2019. They added uh, Jose Angulo, who has I don't know how many USL goals, but it's it's a lot. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he he might be a little bit older, but he's been playing and and like he's dangerous. He's going to be a problem. They've upgraded at at right back and left back. I think they've upgraded one of their center backs. Uh, their midfielder is probably going to be mostly the same. Uh, and if you remember, they don't have um, Danny. They don't have Daniel Bedoya Daniel anymore. Bedoya, he went out you. to Tucson. Thank goodness. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that's gonna, good. I don't think that's going to slow him down too much. But they got they do still have. Um, Carlton McKenzie, yeah, who was, who was who was fun, who was terrifying. He never scored against us, but if they had any good chance in that game, and they had about four, uh, most of it was created by him. It was. Uh, yeah. I, I would I would remind people that that game did end, end up three zero, but it could have been it could have been it could have been three three at halftime. Uh, do not sleep on New Amsterdam. They're they're a lot. They're going to be a lot better. And, and they, as and as they as they like gel and put some of these, like, they had a lot of young players who had never played pro soccer before last year. Uh, even like a lot of kids. Well, and they're doing an interesting thing where they're trying to sign 60% of their roster, give or take, to be local New York kids, New York area kids. Mm-hmm. And so that means they're going to have an interesting mix of players. And the Cosmos going on hiatus has meant they've added some talented New York players that were already professionals there, yeah. mm-hmm. in, in Bardich in particular. And that makes things, uh, I think, extra interesting because they also finally spent some money and I don't mean they didn't spend any money last year, but they went after some of their weaknesses, spending money, getting real professionals. Yeah. Um, moving on a little bit shorter, um, thoughts on Detroit. So I'll go first on Detroit, Detroit, you know, they're, they come in as the, the winners of the fall. They're the team to beat. They are the team to beat in a lot of ways. Uh, they played a very particular style of soccer that came together in the tournament. Didn't really see in the regular season. Um, they were they got a couple of their players back after the pandy, um, after their timeout with COVID. And I don't know if they had COVID, but they were not available during some of the peak times of COVID. So it will be interesting to see what they are, but I expect them to be very, very tough to play. They added an incredibly athletic and, uh, for my money, very, very, very good center back 
Jack and Jeb, Javon Torre. Uh, he's a menace on set pieces, and Matthew's looking at me because we don't think the same thing about this gentleman, but he is an excellent, excellent left back. And uh, I, I have it on good authority that he's a wonderful human being. Uh, as a friend of mine, was his neighbor for like three weeks. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Detroit, we expect to be good again. They, it doesn't matter who Detroit has; they're always going to be a good team. And they kept. Mm-hmm. And when it matters, they'll be they'll be tough. Yep. I don't know. They're well. I coached. think they're in a weird. I don't. I think they're going to be in a weird situation in terms of they have nothing to play for until they have one game to play for this year. Uh, and that's going to be really interesting to see how they handle it. Uh, but I also gives them time to experiment a little bit and become the best version of themselves when it matters. Mm-hmm. Whereas yep. everyone else is still playing to get to get there. Yep, that's true. Michigan Stars. Uh, Smitty, do you remember the Michigan Stars and their uh, group of... Um, how, what should I call them? Hitmen last year? <laughs> I remember their owner, <laughs> who's also a hitman. <laughs> I don't know how many owners have gotten red cards before, but uh, George is one of them. Um, also, great uh, halftime commercial. What My favorite halftime commercial. The of best the year. halftime commercial. Um, stars are going to be good. They're going to be hard to play against. They're going to be athletic. They're going to try to muck it up. Mm-hmm. Similar to how we did last year, actually. Yeah. Uh, play physical. And they have a couple very, very talented players who the entire uh, offense will run through, mm-hmm. including um, the the coaches or the owner's son. Who's I, I a think good I, player for I all the pay he gets. One of the one of the interesting things about Stars is they they did make some roster moves. It's not the same team as it was last year. Uh, they did turn over maybe half ish, maybe a little less than half of their roster, uh, including some key players that aren't back. Uh, and I, I mean, they've gone out to replace, they've gotten new players. So it'll be interesting to see how, how different they are, uh, compared to last year. Uh, and if, and if they can evolve anymore. Moving quickly along Stumptown, uh, Matthew, what do you expect to see from a new team essentially? Yeah. So it's a, it's a brand new team. All the players are new. Uh, I don't know if any of them have played with each other before. Uh, I, I don't have that kind of that kind of databases uh, to look at. Uh, a, there are a bunch of familiar faces. Um, a couple, just for an example, uh, Frankie Martinez was a center back for LA Force. Robert Hines was a defender uh, slash I think wide player for Oakland Roots. Uh, the thing about American soccer and, and even lower division teams is there are good players to be found yep. that, that are that are out of contract, mm-hmm. uh, and you can string up a team tomorrow call a couple agents and you can get some decent players. Yeah. The trick for them is can they put that together in a relatively short time frame against, by the way, they got to play Detroit and Cal United in that group. So Oof, have fun. Rough. So I think the story for Stumptown is actually the exact same story for 1904 mm-hmm. in the sense that you have a team that has had to put together essentially a year one roster. They existed two years ago. And so they're going to have the same thing. Can they put it together on the West coast? The difference, the difference with 1904 is they had a lot of the same group from the 2019 fall to the 2020 spring. They played two games that 2020 spring season. They've got maybe half of those players back now. That's so they've nice. got a little bit of familiarity. They've been playing for, I don't know, like six weeks now. Uh, I've seen several of their friendlies. Um, they're, they're, I, think, I think that first game for, for 1904 versus Michigan Stars, first game of the tournament, is going to be fascinating. 1904 is going to want to keep the ball. They're very technical. Do they have enough going forward? Michigan Stars is going to beat the shit out of them in terms of fouls and in terms of just like physical play. Fouling is winning. And I'm curious to see which style wins out or does any style win? It's going to be a fascinating contra- uh, contrasting styles. 
Cal United, a team that we played that was very, very good. Very good. Honestly, on both sides of the ball, but especially offensively. Matthew, what do you expect from them? Uh, if I am, number one, I would never pick CFC to win a tournament because I'm too superstitious to do so. Uh, so let's just get at that out of the way. I would never do it, even if I was forced to. Cal United is my favorite to win the tournament. I think uh, they're going to be good. I think I think Stumptown is gonna, not going to be all put together uh, in terms of t- tactics and cohesion. And Detroit doesn't have anything to play for. I think Cal United is the statistically most likely to be able to get uh, all um, all six points, and their offense should be good enough. They added Darwin Lam in the offseason. Omar Nunu is a great player. Christian Thurjung led the NISA in that fall season, uh, that first fall season, in scoring. Uh, incredible attacking play. Decent, like, decent defending. Their midfield's good. They can keep the ball whenever they want. Mm-hmm. I think they're the favorite. That might be a hot take, but I'm here for it. All right. Last one. The Maryland Bobcats, the Hello Kitties of this. Never seen them play before. <laughs> no, I've never seen them play either. Um, w- Matthew, I'll, I'll, I've gone to you on all of these <laughs> as the resident uh, NISA expert. How you feeling about the Bobcats? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I, I saw Smitty? them. Pl- I saw them play. <laughs> I saw them play that one game. Uh, we know we know they're athletic. We know they they are a good team. Like they, I mean, they played with us, and they had a lot of and they had a lot of young players. I think yeah. I think in terms of also how much of that roster um, that we did not see them play with last season comes back. A lot of it's the like, same. They, they signed a, a lot, lot of, of it's the same, and it's a lot. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fast athletic. Also, they I, si- I they think signed a, they signed a lot of the same players too from their UPSL team before that. Like mm-hmm. they. They kept the core of players. A lot they, of those players have they've been had the same core of players. And I think the question for me is, like all jokes aside about not seeing them, I wonder if their UPSL core, which is an unbelievably talented. Remember, and that's so NPSL segment. Two years ago, roughly, we did a That's So MPSL segment about a team called World Class Premier Elite Soccer Club that was mm-hmm. a rebranded team that was winning. And yes, 20 that was to their nothing. name. And that was yeah, it was literally the name. And they became the Bobcats. They were next the next year they rebranded as the Bobcats, and here they are in our professional league with us. Can those players make a not just a one game against a professional team work, not just a game up a friendly here and there? Can they make a real professional run? Or are they gonna be outmatched because these are, you know, essentially lower level players making the jump up? And that's what I think, remains to be seen. I think the most unknown group is is gonna be group one, stars, uh Stars, Bobcats, and 1904. Mm-hmm. By the way, Bobcat Stars, that's a fun game. That's going to be awesome. It's like also a fun game. likely to be 0-0 and end in 10. <laughs> hey, also, Bobcat, Bobcats could end up being your dark horse that wins the whole thing. I could see it. I mean, it's like, not... We a, really don't we know. We really don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's what makes this tournament... But also, they so, could be really good. That's what's going to make this tournament so interesting uh, as like an initial part of the season mm-hmm. uh, to, see, to see just... What happens? Yeah. So I have two closing questions as we wrap this up. And I'll start with you, Smitty. Uh, and the two closing questions, well, it's actually three, but it's a two-parter, right? What are you most excited for in the bubble? That's the first one. And then what is CFC's goal? What sh- no pun intended. What should the goal be for CFC? And what is the goal? And then what is the acceptable outcome, the minimum acceptable outcome? So again, what are you most excited for in the bubble? That could be CFC-related or not. Mm-hmm. And then what is the what is CFC's goal? And what is an acceptable outcome for CFC, which may differ from the goal or may not? Yeah. So I am excited. I'm excited for football in Chattanooga. Let's be real. Like, um, I'm excited for this to be a showcase to show that tournaments like this should be held here. Um, and I'm excited for us to showcase how well they're run whenever it's here. Uh, here, here. So 
what it as Mister Six uh, Six of Ten. Um, my goal is to win it. The minimum acceptable outcome is to win it. Um, I I don't pressure's want, on, baby. Yeah, I, like I don't. It. I, like I don't. It. But thinking realistically, make it out of the group stage. We've got a tough group, um, and potentially really tough, depending on how good uh, New Amsterdam is so and, making, and we get both of those teams uh when they're fresh yeah making it and making either one it, of those teams will have played a game before yeah we always get the card stacked um stacked against us by either having shorter rest times tougher groups or all of the above but i do want to point out if we're being fair we're playing at home mm-hmm. so we have a little advantage there and i think that's a good thing mm-hmm. and and, and I, I agree with you and i'll let you finish sorry but i agree with your your th- saying that we have to win we have to yeah. like minimum acceptable is to win it in a lot of ways because we're at home mm-hmm. we should be as much as matt says he won't predict it i won't either but also we have to believe that we are the favorites to win it's, this. it's yeah. the best it's the best chance for us uh both statistically like like pure uh, statistical speaking uh it's the best chance for us to make the playoffs to have mm-hmm. a chance to win the entire season cfc are very very good at winning big games that aren't the big game Oh boy, yeah. So, uh, just to clarify, the goal for you is to win it all, and the minimum acceptable outcome is to win it or make it out of the group. To win it, <laughs> I, 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 I will. I refuse to say anything less than okay. that. Matt, uh, so similar answer on on excited for. Uh, I'm excited for meaningful soccer in 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 Chattanooga. Amen. Um, like I think I think this is going to be a fun tournament. I think it's a good showcase for Chattanooga. I think it's a good showcase for the league. Um, I think it's a great showcase for for the players in Nisa, uh, because you've got be you've TV? got you've got nine teams of players in Chattanooga, uh, and in a two week span, I wouldn't be surprised if if agents were here. I wouldn't be surprised if other clubs were here. The weather's scouting. a little bit nicer. Hopefully, the weather's great. I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a fun tournament, uh, regardless of the outcome. I think it's gonna be a fun tournament. Now that being said, the goal is to win this thing. Uh, we need we need to win this thing because. Winning three games, maybe four if we have to, and is, making the playoffs is just is just easier than being the best team in the league over over an eight game regular season. Uh, this is our best avenue. We're at home for all these games. It's our best avenue. It's our best chance to make the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, in in Detroit at the end of the spring season, bar none. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not impossible. Otherwise, but like sure. th- this is our best chance. Um, an acceptable outcome. I don't know. So I I sometimes get made fun of maybe on this podcast, maybe just in life in general, uh, I don't like to prescribe, or I don't like to ascribe these, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Acceptable outcomes? <laughs> I, well, so I, I don't think, it, it's hard to judge, and like we're in results-based business, right? It is hard to judge, uh, like strictly speaking, what is acceptable or not over small sample size events. Mm-hmm. Mm. We are playing in a two-game group stage. If a ball is two inches the wrong direction, off the post and in, off the post and out, two inch difference, that can be the difference between us playing more soccer or not move, not advancing out of the group. Or not making the World Cup? Yeah. Sunil Gulati? Like those, like that's, in, in, in a two game sample size, that's incredibly important. And I, and I don't want to... I don't want to be a person that says... How, how many excuses are you going to make for us to not win the tournament? Just this one, off okay. the post. Uh, but if a ball goes off the post and out, and that's the reason why we don't advance, that's a small sample size event. And and it could be that eight other times of those 10, 
that ball goes in instead. Uh, and and I, I think it's sports fans will always judge based on what happens. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to realize that there is a little bit of a bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I, I just don't want to get into what what might be an acceptable outcome after three games. Okay. Uh, and I don't like your facts, so get them out of here with your reasonable and nuanced takes. Um, <laughs> most excited for in this bubble. Um, I, I agree with everything you both said. I'm going to go with I'm just excited for this team to finally be playing in person again. Um, last season was awesome, but we only got a couple games. This preseason, we only got to go to one game, and that was so good, and it's just so good to be back seeing people. There is an end to this pandemic, knock on wood, in sight. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We're not there yet. It's important to still mask up. Get your fucking vaccines, people. Prick those arms, and if you're skeptical about it, talk to your fucking doctor. Like, get your vaccine. However, outside of that, I'm just really excited to see people again, to be in the stadium, and to watch the boys play. Um, The goal has to be to win it. I think that's um, absolutely it. And I think the only acceptable outcome here for me is to make the championship game. Um, We are at home. Mm -hmm. We are a good team. We are coming out of a good preseason. Um, As I will, I will acquiesce to Matthew's point that there can be a lot of unlucky things, bounces, injuries, whatever. And we can't control those. However, we're at home Mm -hmm. for this. We will have the support of more fans than the other teams. Mm -hmm. And we will be playing on the field that we are accustomed to playing on. If we can't win this preseason tournament and or get to the final, I'll give I will give an acceptable outcome as losing in the final only because that's where I will allow a bad bounce to, or an injury to count. But before that, you have to figure out a way to make it through. And you know, I think that's a fair point. I think the uh, the only acceptable outcome for me is to make it to the final. And I want us. I, I think the goal has to be to win it. And if we don't make it to the final, if we don't make it out of our group, it will be a failure. Um, and that's hard, of course, with only two games, but. That's what you're judged on. This is the rules of the tournament. We all know what they are going in and got to go for broke. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we apologize in advance for the extra noise and the lack of edits, but the the real producer is not here to uh, to help us be cleaner. Um, Smitty, if the people want to yell at you about your takes, ask you questions, get at you on the internet, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Instagram at a Smitty nose. Matthew? You can find me on Instagram at I am Coniglio and on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. Breezy, where can they find you? They can find me on the internet. Thank you, everybody. Apologies for no closing song, but we are out of here. We'll see you at Finley on Tuesday and on Friday. Peace. Peace.